talking just for, you know, just an opinion. My opinion is I hate it. I know you were bored during it, and I was bored Well, under fire. Pew, pew, pew. And we're back on the second episode of Film Under Fire, featuring your hosts, Adriana Floridia, Andrew Hamilton, and yours truly, Matthew J. Hoffman. And this is the only podcast on the on the podcast network that's not just two white men. Oh, no. It is one white man, but a Jew. Adriana, an Italian woman, and Andrew Hamilton, a black man of Toronto. But before we get to this week's movie, let's do a little bit of the triple bill, where myself, Adriana, and Andrew each tell you about a film that we watched recently that we want to share with the world. So... Adriana, what are you grooving <laughs> on this week? Oh, man. Okay. Um, my choice for the triple bill. I have a couple options, so sorry. I'm like uh, trying to decide. Just one. <laughs> I'm going to go with Greg Araki's smiley face. Under scene little film uh, starring Anna Ferris as a stoner who accidentally eats... I don't know how many weed brownies and then goes on a really strange adventure. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. We it's love a fun Anna movie. Ferris. It's a, it's a very fun, just like, you know, happy carefree type movie that is good for the times we're in. I've actually never seen it, but I, I really love Greg Araki's Kaboom. And I also love white bird and a blizzard. So I should check it out. You should definitely check it out. Mr. Hamilton. What's your film this week? My film this week, Matt, is going to be a little film starring Anthony Hopkins called Magic. <laughs> Fuck the snake shit, Matt. Fuck the snake shit. Man. The I'm talking about Anthony puppets. I'm talking about ventriloquist <laughs> yes. dummies yes. today, my friend. Okay? This is a film that in anybody else's hands would have gone to absolute hell, especially in terms of another actor's hands. But because Anthony Hopkins is so damn committed to the fucking craft, he ends up taking a role that is... a Typical genre-infused role and taking it to the next level, the level that we should always be taking genre roles to. And he delivers something that is a magnificent piece of psychological thriller entertainment. And I have to say, I really fucking love this movie. I was very surprised by how good it actually was. And I'm a big fan of the Burgess. I just, I'm, 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 I'm simple, man. I know him from the Rocky movies, so it's kind of <laughs> nice seeing him in films outside of that. It was uh, unfortunate. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. Don't spoil it. I've wanted to see it for years. It's unfortunate to see how, you know, little people talk about the film just because, like, I do feel like it's a very special bit of genre entertainment. And we should be talking more about those genre pieces because those are the ones that we should be making more of. Not the trash. Mm-hmm. Not the mm-hmm. trash. Just move it to the side. And where can we see your film of the week, Andrew? Where can you find that film of the week? Well, I actually had to do some renting of that film of the week. <laughs> so uh, um, you can find it on most services, actually. Um, I believe I actually rented it from Apple. Matt, I'm actually very surprised that you haven't seen this yet. Listen, Matt. I'm going to give my money to Tim Apple and uh, watch that movie. And now, Adriana <laughs> Floridio, where can we see your film, Smiley Face? Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Yes? Give us your pick of the week. I will, but I, I want to know where I, I can see Adriana's film first. <laughs> I think I watched it on Amazon Prime. Pretty sure. Ooh. Adriana giving the money to that. Bezos! <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my film of the week <laughs> is Albert Brooks' 1979 film, Real Life, 
which is playing on the Criterion channel, or it was, it might not still be, but you know, and it's one of the funniest films of all time. It is, Albert Brooks plays a version of himself and he's a man who is producing a reality TV show that follows a family, essentially. It's a spoof of the, this, what was that, that one, the 70s one called The American Life, American Family, American Family. And so he's essentially making his own An American Family and the family that they follow is led by the great actor Charles Grodin. And it's an amazing film with a stunning ending and it's very, very funny. All of Albert Brooks's movies are excellent and I highly recommend them. I watched Modern Romance on your recommendation. And what did you think? Wait, was I that my pick it? of the week last time? Um, it might have been your pick. Oh, at some I did two point. Albert Brooks movies back to back. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you said it last time. You didn't. You no, said, last, last, time I said waltz. The last waltz. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what did you think of um, Modern Romance? I liked it. Uh, it's, it's a little like insufferable. Like just a little too. This annoying. just in: Adriana Floridia, anti-Semite. <laughs> Oh my god, god, Matt, no! Stop! (laughs) The character's meant to be annoying. Everyone in that movie was annoying. that's what all Jews are like. No, it's not. How could you say that to me? No, it's not. Well, Adriana, you're probably not going to like real life. You're going to find these characters just as insufferable. (laughs) I watch a lot of... Jewish things, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, doesn't there's count. no need. There is no need to prove to Matt that you watch a lot of Jewish things. Fuck all that I'm shit. Saying, Fuck all I'm that. saying is that the lead thank actress you, in you. Shiva Baby is not even a Jew. <laughs> she's not a Jew. No, she's a goy, and she get and she frequently plays Jews, and I don't like Interesting. that. Interesting. Interesting. And the family on. The hit HBO TV show, The Undoing, were supposed to be Jews, but they de-Jewed them. Well, thank you all for sharing your bills for the week, and that makes three (laughs) films. And let's go over them again. We have Matthew Hoffman's Real Life, not for Adriana. We have Adriana's (laughs) Smiley Face, and we have Andrew Hamilton's Magic. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. (laughs) And that takes us to the film of this week, the focus of the podcast, Darren Aronofsky's is he Jewish? We'll find out. Quite Darren, Jewish. Okay. Quite well, Jewish. That explains a lot. Darren Aronofsky's 2017, is that correct? Or was this 2018? 2017, May, 2017. And September. Darren Aronofsky's 2017 film, Mother! We spend all our time here. I want to make a paradise. She redid all of it. Every last detail. And she breathed life back into every room. Are you happy? I love you. Please, come in. Hello. Hello. He's a stranger. We're just gonna let him sleep in our house. Hello. Hello. Did you know he had a wife? All right, Mother is a film about a couple's relationship that is tested when uninvited hmm. guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Disrupting. It was released. Disrupting. Those are kind words because I feel like <laughs> a little bit past disrupting. It was released on September 15th at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, the studio is Paramount Pictures slash 
Protozoa Pictures. Never heard of that. That's actually Darren Aronofsky's uh, production company. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. It's always nice to see the directors getting in there and making sure they're producing their work, especially with something like this. Oh, totally. It was written and directed by Darren Aronofsky. Over five days. He wrote that over in, five days. He wrote it in five fucking days. Oh my god! Well, okay, and that explains a lot. Yeah, and uh, it stars Jennifer Lawrence, who I believe oh. was his girlfriend at the time, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, um, wait, Michelle stop, Pfeiffer. Stop, stop, Matt. Where are yeah. the gunshots for Javier? What are you pew, doing? Pew. You cannot be our soundboard <laughs> if you're going to mess up that badly, man. We need gunshots for Javier. Okay, Adriana, start the cast list Okay, again. I'll start. Yeah, okay. The film stars... <laughs> <laughs> the film stars Jennifer Lawrence. Pew, pew, pew. Who I believe was uh, Aronofsky's girlfriend when they made the film. Nice. Javier Bardem. Wah, wah, wah. Oh. <laughs> brr, brr. <laughs> Go ahead. Ed Harris. Ed Harris. <laughs> the great Michelle Pfeiffer. Woo, woo. Yep. Dom, Donald and Brian Gleason, who are brothers. Never heard of Brian Gleason before. <laughs> Me neither. It's like they were just like, Domino has a brother. So let's like fucking use him. I think it's. He's Donald. in like one scene, right? I think it's. Oh, is it Domel? Domel? Donald, like with an L. Donald. Donald. Donald Gleason. Uh, and Emily Hampshire, who you may know as Stevie in Schitt's Creek. Yes. And, and Kristen Wiig, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. In, in her first dramatic role. <laughs> I, I, I still, one of my favorite fucking moments of the film is Hanson's Down from Kristen Wiig. And it's because it's Kristen Wiig doing, killing people execution style, you know, no, mm-hmm. no big deal. We don't get enough of that in the, in the cinema. <laughs> Maybe we get too much. And the awards, that, the awards that the film actually managed to uh, get nominated for were all Razzies. I kid you not. Worst director. Three of them. Worst actor and worst actress. The holy trinity, my friends. We're did Jennifer Lawrence get nominated for worst actress? Yeah, she did. That's After not. Getting, that's not fair, dude. On it. Okay, we're gonna talk about that's how bullshit. Much, there's been so much <laughs> about how people have received this film that has not been fair that we need to discuss. <laughs> okay. okay, there's a lot All here. Right. To be put on table, like right like, from the get- harsh. Well, like right from the get go, let's let's talk about the film's reception because okay. famously, this is one of the films that, at its time, there was only 19 films that received a cinema score of an absolute F right out of the gate when it came out, and Mother was one of them. Um, it holds court with films like Nick Cage's The Wicker Man. So great movie. <laughs> It's saying a lot. Is that the one where he says, not the bees? Is that that movie? movie. Yes. Not the bees! Not the bees! My eyes! My eyes! Just so everybody understands, there's absolutely no... Nick Cage slander on this podcast. No, I love allow, Nick Cage. We wouldn't allow it. Matt, Matt has just dipped his head in sadness because he was I like, love Nick Cage. oh, thank God. Thank we, God. we love the cage here. Uh, okay, good. So just so you guys all know, no shit talk in the cage around the film <laughs> under fire cast because you're going to get burned, motherfuckers. All right? We don't play that shit. We don't play that. Um, we play with fire. So a lot of people fucking hated this movie when they saw it. When we first started talking about this film, Adriana... Can you tell us where your head was at with Mother? (laughs) 
Well, I mean, I think I said this to you before, but I saw the movie at the Toronto Film Festival at a press screening. And the whole thing, like, I think the movie came out, like, during TIFF in theaters. So it was one of those, like, things where it premiered, but it was also in theaters. And this was, like, a um, hot ticket at that point, right? Because, I yeah. mean, Aaron, Aaron Everyone was, was curious. Yeah. Everyone was curious about this movie, especially because Darren Aronofsky, like, didn't want anyone to know what it was about. Like, he barely, there was, like, nothing about the movie. It was just, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is a star, something about a mother. It was very just, like, hush-hush. And so when I, yes? You said um, Darren Aronofsky didn't want anyone to know what it was about. Um, (laughs) What's it about? (laughs) Matt, I knew you were fucking going. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Okay. Because, like, I know what it's about, but what's yeah. it about? No, we're going to talk about that, Matt. I think there's we a lot to discuss there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, going into the movie <laughs> and having, like, no real, like, just setting for, like, what you're about to watch, which I believe was his intention at, at the time of release, it was a very, like, very disorienting and, like, confusing film to watch. But once you talk about it after and you're like, oh, like, it was an allegory for this. Like, then you're like, okay, I get it. But I had I known that going into the film, maybe I would have appreciated it more. And I think maybe it's something we'll talk about in the podcast of like, should you have an, a sense of what the director wants you to feel or think about the movie before you watch it? Because, um, yeah, I was just like, the, like, this is just chaos. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about this movie. Well, Matt... Did you get a chance to watch this during that TIFF circuit as well and when it was uh, creeping around at the beginning? Um, I feel like I remember watching it at my apartment. So, and I, I don't know where it would have came from because I, I would have seen, I didn't see it at the film festival, but I saw it around that time. But I don't know where I would have gotten like a perfect copy of it. But I did. You probably got a screener or something. Maybe, maybe I got someone to send me a screener. Uh, but yeah, I did watch it then, and I, I actually re- I liked it a lot more then than I did rewatching it for this. I came back to Letterbox after rewatching this film and saw <laughs> that I had it at five fucking stars, and like, <laughs> I, I I do like the movie. I definitely don't think it's a five star movie. Just like <laughs> what you guys were just talking about, this walking into this film blind finding yourself disoriented. This is what a lot of people found. And, you know, with the extreme nature of some of the imagery that we got within the film, it made a lot of people feel feel like we were getting a lot for nothing, right? Now, Matt, it sounds to me like you're still within the space that we are getting a lot for nothing? Well, I just don't know if I can like even say that the film is an allegory because it's not to me, it's not about anything except for what it's about. What what is that though? Put your finger on that. Let's get to the specifics of that. Oh, he's God and she's Mother Nature and Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> are Adam and Eve and their sons are Jacob and Asav and we destroy the world. <laughs> But what? But but what's it about outside of that? If anything, this is where things get interesting, Matt. You just dropped me at religious allegory, like it's allegory to to the Bible, right? But is it an allegory? That's just what the movie's about. Is that stuff? Is that stuff subtext or is it just the text? 
because there's nothing else really going on. I think there's a lot of readings, though. Like, there's a lot of ways you can interpret the film aside from the religious. Is there? Yeah, I see. That's the thing. I think the religious is kind of like the touch point, right? Because I think that's just you, one interpretation. Like, let's be real here. The viciousness of what's happening within the film and, like, when you kind of even look at Darren Aronofsky's work in general, like the guy really like he does push that visceral button and he loves to push that visceral button, but he usually likes to employ it within a s- story, right? And for story purpose. And especially within something like Mother, when you look at everything that's going down and you lay down the bricks of the religious allegory, you start to see that there's something more being built upon that. It's more talking about how humans <laughs> have done nothing but destroy and defile what Mother Earth has pretty much like given us or we've taken. I guess in terms of the film, it's saying that we've taken it. But this is very much talking about how not just the allegory, not just putting those pieces together, but also taking it a step further and just really showing us like, hey, this is what we are <laughs> to this planet. <laughs> so what? Jennifer Lawrence is like the giving tree? Matt, there's so many people who have interpreted, even people have brought it up to Darren Aronofsky, like The Giving Tree. They've referenced that while interviewing him, and he has pretty much said yes. Like, it's very much talking about how much we take and how little we, not even that we give back, fuck giving back. It's literally how little we care, right, about how much we take. But what's it about at the same time to make it like an allegory or a parable like that's all it is. The sink is not. What, what's wrong with the well, sink? Well, like it's not, it's I not, mean, um, definitively, allegory <laughs> is a story or poem that could be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. Right? Yeah, but what's the story? Th- that Matt, the story is us being pieces of shit, bro. No, <laughs> like, that's the allegory. No, 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 no. No, it's sir. like a literal interpretation yeah. of this of the story. Yeah, it's very literal. It's like very literal. To, the allegory, definitively, the allegory is a hundred percent all this. The biblical stuff. That's the allegory. That's definitely the allegory. And I think it's building from that, the story that the film is trying to tell, taking that allegory one step further, is this idea that, hey, we are defiling this planet. We are defiling this planet. And it's allowing us to see it because like, okay, well, we understand as human beings what it feels like to have somebody come inside of our home, an unwanted guest, and have them stay there and never fucking leave. Right? I love that. That's one thing in the film I love. It's very Bunuel. It's very like <laughs> Jewish anxiety. Like uh, I do love that when this, when they're always leaning on the sink. That fucking <laughs> sink, man. Those people stress me out. They were jumping on the sink. Sure, but by like the la- by the last like forty minutes, I'm like, come on. Also, Adriana, you saw this in a theater. Yeah. When 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 she's like, why don't you fuck me? And then they and then they fuck and then all of a sudden it cuts to the next morning and she opens her eyes and goes, "I'm pregnant." Did everybody laugh? <laughs> okay, I probably laughed. I mean, I laugh at everything. <laughs> that yeah, was true. That's why I don't sit next to Adrian at the movies. Someone will get like, will get like brutally. I remember at Gone Girl, it, yeah. you were like mad at me because <laughs> it was like, like you thought it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like. She's dead. Adrian laughs at everything. Like a, like a, like in a movie, a ma- like a husband slaps his wife in the face, and Adriana's like, 
<laughs> that is not true. But let me just give you a quick little story. When I saw Midsummer in theaters, I was laughing at like that big sex scene. And then after the movie, I was in the washroom and I overheard two girls say, who was that girl demonically laughing at, at the scene in the movie? That was so like inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, that's how ah. I feel. <laughs> okay, guys, just understand. Uh, I, I always have to go into fucking movies and be the guy the black guy laughing at the uncomfortable like <laughs> the uncomfortable stuff that none of the white people want to laugh at and then they hear it's like that one guy laughs and everybody turns around to like look at me it's just like to make sure <laughs> is he allowed to laugh at that I, that's different I should be with you <laughs> Andrew different. next time we'll, we're going together well, no 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 man believe me Matt it's the same it's the same sort of feeling of like I'm out of place here <laughs> like I just feel like Adriana don't don't be going to Matt who's going to be Yelling yeah, at you, you know what, Andrew? When the pandemic's over, why don't you go see a bunch of serious movies with Adriana and then come <laughs> yeah. back here and tell me that yeah. it's fun? <laughs> I'll bring it back, is fun. I'll Thank bring, you. I'll bring back the review on that. I'll bring back the review on that. <laughs> it ain't no joke. I need to move over to something else right now that's very important. Fine. Was Mother a horror movie? Sure. Yes. No, 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 no. Really, really, Matt, take that in. Was it a horror movie? Sometimes. Sometimes. I'm talking about the film as a whole, sir. No. I mean, yeah, it's pretty horrific to see a baby, like, get, get fucking snapped, you know? Or to see, like, Jennifer Lawrence on the floor and people are punching her in the face and tearing her clothes off and being like, cunt! Like, yeah, <laughs> that's not fun. I feel like it invokes invokes anxiety more than it's sort of scary. I just, I just think we need to broaden our idea of horror because I think a lot of people think of horror in the very traditional sense. And then they don't consider movies that are horrifying in nature and their subject as like like as a genre as horror. Like I feel like someone like Ari Aster is kind of blurring that line a bit more, where he's like, um, Hereditary was a great example of a film that like the average Joe who went to see it saw see that movie was like that wasn't a horror movie that was like a drama. Or whatever, or like I they just didn't connect with it as being like, I'm going to go watch a horror movie in theaters and I expect to be jump scared and... I don't know, Hereditary is pretty fucking scary. It is, it is at the end, but like, no, I just know mean? a lot of... I, There's the Matt, she, scary. But no, but she, but she is right. There are a lot of people who watch this film and were just like, this is like a drama. Like they just, they couldn't like, especially the first what? half of the movie. Yeah, man. It's, and Dowd standing across the street? Ooh, that's scary. <laughs> I just don't think everyone, like, mainstream audiences associate horror in a very specific way that, like, maybe a more cinephile like us would see something like Mother or Hereditary or what, like, just even, like, just old, I'm not a like, genre. You're not a cinephile? No, really? He's, he's, a disease. He's a, he's a film <laughs> historian. Cinephilia, okay, okay. Adriana. Cinephilia sorry, is like sorry. right below pedophilia. Like, I don't want to be up there. <laughs> yeah, anything that ends in Elia's good yeah, little... not me. Except Matt, for Elia Kazan. Matt, I have a, I have a rule. <laughs> if you suggest two Albert Books movies in a row, you're automatically a cinephile on this program. <laughs> so, yeah, if all your movies I'm are on the Criterion Jew. channel... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a Jew. I love that. Okay, okay, I'll accept that. Matt. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Okay, so... I agree with Adriana. I do feel like people do need to broaden their horizons of like what horror is. But also the one thing I do want to throw out here is the reason why I don't think Mother is a horror film at all is I feel like a lot of people conflate um, genre 
with being like absolute something that's absolute as opposed to also being something that could be used as a tool right mm-hmm. genre is not just an absolute form folks can genre- we be french can we be french and just call it genre genre <laughs> genre <laughs> Shout out to Agnes. I see you. I hope you. I hope you're hearing me, and you're. Mm. She's. You're. You're loving <laughs> my French, but um, Jean is not just supposed to be used as an absolute form, and it shouldn't be used as just an absolute form. I think we've seen a lot of great films, like for instance, recently Parasite, in which honestly, genre is constantly used as a Jean. tool. Jean is constantly used <laughs> as a tool to build a better dramatic film as opposed mm-hmm. to just using it as like an absolute form. And I feel like mother very much utilizes horror in this sense. It's not a horror movie, but mm-hmm. it he uses elements of horror to create that anxiety and that dread that I think is very important to this story. Ultimately. I agree. What the fuck? What did you just say, Matt? I agree with you. Is, is, is that really Matt Hoffman? Could you just... I have del- no retaliation to that. <laughs> <laughs> so why did they market this film as a horror movie then? Is it just easier to sell the fucking tickets? Probably. What else are they going to market it as? Jennifer Lawrence is Mother Earth. <laughs> and a bunch of people sit on her on what does she always say this she goes that sink is not there's a word she uses i forget oh that sink is not oh it's not braced it's not braced yeah it's brace, not braced. Brace. Yeah, i wasn't braced let me tell you <laughs> wait you weren't braced for j-law or you weren't braced for the explosion that was about to happen from her after they fucked up the sink and they told her she told them all to get the fuck out like, <laughs> she's a really great actress, and she's very good in this film. Who's better in this film, her or Michelle Pfeiffer? Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Michelle Pfeiffer's phoning it in. What? She's Ma- Michelle Pfeiffer's phoning it in. <laughs> I like her. She's good in it, but she's phoning it in. I just don't think J-Law is giving... J-Law, I mean, she's given stuff to work with, but it's like in the same lane the whole fucking time. And it's just like, after three quarters of the movie, I'm just kind of like... Well, that's not on her. That's on the script. Yeah, that is on Taryn Aronofsky in his five-day script. I mean, geez, like, let's, 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 you know, like, this is Jennifer Lawrence kind of, like, coming out of the Hunger Games, and then Darren Aronofsky has, like, her clothes being torn apart, and, like, people yelling, like, fucking cunt at her. <laughs> like, geez. Is this a misogynistic <laughs> film? As a man, I want to say that I want to... I, I think it is a film made by a man that I imagine is very upsetting to watch for a lot of women. Yep. That's fair. That is very fair. Adriana. I, I asked a friend who is a woman if she would watch this film with me and she'd seen it, but I said, I have to do this podcast. You want to watch, you want to watch this film? And she absolutely refused. She's like, I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> That's fair. And it by that fair. shit, she didn't mean that shitty movie. She meant like the shit that they that goes on in the in the last half hour of this movie. Yeah. The, from like the time that the baby leaves the room, the film just goes like just ramps it up, and there is fifteen minutes of just absolutely even like, before that. Like, don't they beat her up before she has no, the baby? No, or no, no, no. Or, or not even that. But there's also like like she gets knocked down and she's, she's pregnant, like, and you think they're gonna trample Matt, her. Matt, it just like Matt, it just never hits the extreme. Like I felt completely uncomfortable. Like that this whole sounds like, like the anti Jean Dielman. I don't want two guys talking about this right away, Adriana. <laughs> can you like 
Yeah, Can you step in here and please, like, Adriana, I want you to speak for all women. Set us straight. Speak for all of them. Just like I have to speak Adriana, for all black okay, mothers. Okay, I represent all women, yes. Matt, are you ready to speak for all the Jews? Yes, but Adriana will only well. be referred to as mother for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> mother! Mother! We, we, need to, we need to understand. Oh, I love that. Is this film misogynistic? Yeah, mother. Let's let's hear it from, from Adriana, who laughs when women get hit in movies. But go ahead. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You're the worst. You're really painting me in a horrible light. Adriana is a lovely human being. That's why we do this podcast with her. Don't believe Matt Hoffman's lies. Neil Patrick Harris like um, locks Rosamund Pike up in his house, and Adriana's like, ha, 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 ha. "Oh my god!" Women, well, imagine the women laughs they're gonna have. It's Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> I, I forgot he was in that movie. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I didn't read it as misogynistic, but it definitely says a lot about like gender roles and just like gender in general, I guess, and like painting the woman to be the mother (laughs) and the one who takes care and like kind of passive and kind of worshiping the man who's like Javier Bardem's character, who's like a writer or an art. He's an artist. I I don't really remember. He's a poet. poet. Sorry. He's the poet and how everything revolves around him and how he just like neglects her and, uh, just yeah, it doesn't care. He doesn't even fuck uh, her. Remember Michelle Pfeiffer's he like even fuck her. So, he, you're but pretty young. He's an old guy. He doesn't like the fact that you. Yo, okay, but wait, spice I, it up a little bit. I have a quick question because there's just so much. Like this is like there's just some parts where the allegory gets so messy and like the whole movie's okay, messy. Honey. Yes, yes, yes. Matt, Matt, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Um, was Michelle Pfeiffer fucking Javier Bardem? It was Michelle Pfeiffer fucking God. Was Eve fucking God? Were, was that to be implied at some point? Because I feel like it was very so. implied. They find the green underwear in the in the laundry hamper amongst all of all of uh, Javier and Jennifer's stuff, which is later seen being worn by Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, the green underwear is that's after she she look the little fucking crystal thing is the fucking forbidden fruit. And then the green underwear is the <laughs> fucking symbol for the fucking leaves. The leaf over the views to cover their junk. Fair like, enough. It yeah. was just it was just kind of weird see. just to see it in there. I just had to bring it up. We had to so disrespectful <laughs> when she takes the clothes out of the fucking washing machine and just fucking slaps them down on the floor like somebody else's clothes for God's sake. Bro, everything about Eve is absolute disrespect. She just comes in there and she is just like, "Fuck this house." This well, I like to see life. where they make her. You know where where. Ed Harris is there and he's like puking in the bathroom and you see that he has this the cut where his ribs are. And that's they, so then Michelle Pfeiffer walks in and she's like, where's my husband? I made special <laughs> lemonade. <laughs> the family secret. Yeah. The family secret. The family secret. So really quick on the misogyny. All right. My only critique with it is like, I feel like there's a visceralness that has to be reached for this, for Darren Aronofsky to get his message across and maybe this is just really like what he like was trying to say. It's, inf- I mean, would this film have worked if they casted um, Mother Earth as a man? Would it still have like had the same effect it, it eventually has? Because you know what the one kicker is, especially last night when I was because I've just rewatched this like last night again, mm-hmm. and as I was watching it and that scene was happening where they were beating the shit out of her and screaming all that stuff at her. I I looked away like a bunch of times because it was just it was becoming too much for me. But also like just with the allegory of the film and what they were trying to put down, 
I couldn't help but like sit there and just think about us and what we do to the planet. And, and like, I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> she is a personification of this planet. And like, realistically, we are, we're, we're doing this exact same thing to the fucking planet. Like whether or not. Earth is a sexy white woman. The sexiest. <laughs> I think she's the character, but I think the house is also like the earth. Because it's not just me. Like she built that house. Like she, like her pride and joy was that house, and I thought the house was was the temple. From like you know that they Jesus is like here's this temple, and they turn it into like a den of thieves. I don't know the Bible well enough to. The house is definitely (laughs) is definitely supposed to be like Earth. Like I just thought of Jesus Christ Superstar a lot during that stuff. I thought of Jesus Christ Superstar a lot during this, and how it's (laughs) my preferred movie about the Bible. Not Noah. If we're talking about the personification of uh, Mother Earth and what we do to her, and that's the ultimate goal here, and that is really, like, the story you're trying to tell, okay. You know, like, I I don't want to ever want to see that again. I don't want to see that ever fucking again, but all right, you got your point across, man. Right? Can you explain something to me? Shoot. What's the significance of, like, we keep trying again? Because the beginning of the movie, you see a woman, it's not Jennifer Lawrence, then it's Jennifer Lawrence, and then the movie, it's a third woman. So this is like, like, I don't really understand. They're like, oh, reset. Wait, it's not her at the beginning? No, no it's, it's not, not her at the beginning. Uh, the face people, on fire is someone else. There, there oh, was the like, face on fire, right. There was a huge rumor going around that that was Rachel Wise, actually. <laughs> oh, <But laughs> really? It, it is, it, <laughs> that would have been, been great. But like, it is not. It's not her. Um so Matt, I was actually trying to wrap my head around that as well because that's actually the part of the allegory that I think is really like, all right, dude, like you lost me because like that's the bit of yeah. it where I'm just like, I like, are are you just trying to imply that we've we've done this again? Is this Matrix Revolutions? Like, what is this? <laughs> I didn't see that one. Don't, that was a spoiler. Oh, Matt, I agree that I think <laughs> that happened to Reloaded. I think bro. the ending of this movie kind of undersells the rest of it. Yes. Um, because it's just like, okay, so we get to start over. Like we don't really get to start over or maybe humans keep doing the same thing over and over, but like that kind of defeats, it undermines the damage we've done. If there's this idea that we could just reset it. I agree with you completely, Adriana. It just feels like a really, just like, just like a cop well, out ending. like that song in Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, could we start again, please? <laughs> Matt, keep going with this. I want to hear where you're going see, with there's this. A lot of Jesus, there's a lot of Jesus Christ Superstar going on. Like when they first come to the house, it's like, see my eyes, I can hardly see. See me stand, I can hardly walk. I believe you can make me whole. See my tongue, I can hardly talk. See my blood on my mask. See my legs, I can hardly stand. I I believe you can make me whole. In my eyes, I'm a poor, poor man. <laughs> if you ever hear yeah? a Film Under Fire podcast without Matt Hoffman If you ever hear any song, podcast without me singing, it ain't me. <laughs> it ain't him. It ain't him. <laughs> it ain't me, babe. It's not the authentic no, Matt Hoffman. It ain't me, babe. It ain't me, looking for. Okay, guys. We got to talk about Baby deaths on screen. Okay, <laughs> really Can you fucking list some weird. of them because I, I couldn't really think of any. But um, like, uh, okay, I, there, there's the infant. I mean, the toddler falling out the window in slow motion at the beginning of Antichrist comes to mind, and I'm like, I'm yeah. like, yas when that happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? 
Oh my god. I'm like, get yeah, it, Lars. Lars fucked you up, bro. Lars got you, man. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so I'll tell you one that immediately comes to mind, but it's from one of my most hated fucking movies ever. There's no baby deaths in Medea's family reunion. Oh, man. <laughs> the whole movie's a baby death, man. Like, let me just put it that How way. How dare you. Human Centipede Part 2. There is a moment mm. in this movie where... I didn't see Part... I, excuse me, I didn't see Part 2. Matt... Then don't. No, I like the first one. Maybe I will watch it. No, the first one is good. The first one's good. You will swallow his shit. This one takes it. This one takes it to a step where it's just like, no, I'm done. I'm tapping Maybe out. Maybe I'll watch that as soon as we're finished with this. So I guess ultimately, like, the question ends up being like, baby deaths on screen. Like, should we just ban these things to never ever be seen again? Matt obviously loves seeing toddlers fall from uh, buildings in slow motion. Uh, Matt, I think baby deaths should person. only be allowed in European films. okay matt tell me more tell me more i'm intrigued why i don't think i don't think american audiences are prepped for that fair enough i'm not that's a lot americans are like no your body not your choice that's true adrian how do you feel about the babies dying on screen um I don't know. I just feel like I'm a very desensitized viewer. So like stuff like that doesn't bother me as much. I would say like the scene in Mother is pretty disturbing. Did you laugh? No, I didn't laugh. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of like, I don't really care what's depicted on screen. Like if it works in the story, it works in the story. And if it doesn't, and if it's like for no reason or like gratuitous, that's kind of where I draw the line. Like I just don't really enjoy movies that do things for the sake of shock value, as opposed to like an actual meaningful thing in the story and the plot. Um, And like, yes, that kind of stuff can be off screen, but you know, someone like Aronofsky wants to shock and, I, I mean, I don't. What am I trying to say? Did Aronofs- Aronofsky do it for shock value? Maybe, but this whole movie is kind of like shock value yep. in a way. So that's like the goal of the film. So I don't know. He's kind of crossing a line where it's like, okay, fine. Like I guess you can get away with this because like you have a point to what you're doing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not personally that bothered by stuff like that. Um, I like being exposed to like things that I normally wouldn't ever encounter in my life or like ever experience or hopefully, hopefully not, but, but yeah, real life shit is scary. That stuff happens. People go through like really horrific things like that. Mm -hmm. And film is like our gateway to having those types of experiences. And it makes most people very uncomfortable, it takes a, you know, a certain type of moviegoer to not be completely bothered by it. But you could also be bothered by it and, like, take the value of what that makes you feel. So that's my that's my stance on it. I think that sounds perfectly reasonable. You know what, guys? We're <laughs> going to move into our secondary question. But my secondary question is actually prompted by another question really quick. If this movie came out <laughs> in the 70s... If Mother came out in the 70s, how would this have been received by audiences? Do you think we would have got a very different response than the F Cinema Store score we ended up getting? I think so. I think the 70s audience would have appreciated this a little more. I think it also would have been a different movie. 
Like, it's hard to say, like, let's take the exact same movie and just flop it into the 70s. Like... <coughs> But Matt, I, like I mean, like I, I could see, see a I movie see like this. Like, I could see a movie like this being made in the seventies. Like though. this, sure. The closest comparison to most people right now is Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Even the poster, even the poster. There's a version of it where it's like literally uh, a mimic I think that's of an the Rosemary's to Baby. Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, just this is just a comparison, Matt. It's not necessarily sure. saying that they're landing on the exact same. Uh, you know, level, but but the seventies had very provocative horror type movies that were made. Provocative everything, yeah, yeah, like more so than today. Sure. And also, the seventies, like everyone was a hippie and like believed in like the earth and like yeah, sure. was a bit more passionate about those. I mean, yes, there's people who are passionate about into, that now, but without getting into it too deep, like you know, the seventies was more of a time for like creative freedom for filmmakers. Yeah, that that kind of ended. It never, it never really got back to that. And Matt hit the nail on the head. I really do feel like these artists, like these true artistic visionary like films that we used to get, these art house films that we used to get in the seventies that used to be um, brought to mainstream audiences. We obviously just don't see anymore. And that's actually one of the things that a lot of people talk about right now when they talk about the quote unquote death of cinema. Please stop doing that. It's not fucking dying. Come on, man. <laughs> Anyways, the question, the secondary question of this okay, week. Okay, but Captain America Winter Soldier is still a theme park ride. Yo, fair enough. Stop quoting Martin Scorsese verbatim on... Well, this movie's, <laughs> quoting, the Bible. This movie's quoting Jesus, so... <laughs> can art films, can true directorial visions work for today's mainstream audiences? We have a completely different set of just handling and dealing with these movies. We have Twitter. We have tons of critics who are you know, setting the tone for what these, how people react to these films. It's no longer that slow sort of steady buildup of like mythology that ends up happening for a film over years. Right. Because ultimately like, look at mother, a film like mother could have came back, came out in the seventies. We'd probably be fucking celebrating it today. Right. Mm -hmm. Just in regards to what it does as honestly a pure, artistic vision because i mean for better or for worse that is what mother is and this is a studio film that got 30 million dollars to go and make this film that is ultimately it's very art house like it's art an art film. i think you you make a good point that like paramount made this movie and like that's a little inspiring in a way however the success of the film might have not <laughs> led to more similar opportunities because Did paramount make the movie or do they just distribute the movie they made the movie. Okay. And I remember that being a topic of conversation when it came out. Like, this is a very art house film that's like completely mainstream, wide release. As you said, it was marketed like a horror film. Like, they, they kind of like tried to straddle a line with it where they were trying to make it seem like it was a more mainstream movie than it was. But it was exciting that, like, yeah, a big studio would give a big budget to a movie like this normally that never happens and you would have thought you know if it had been successful maybe we would have got more big budget like art house type films afterwards which i don't really think we have if i'm thinking i don't know like maybe midsummer is like close in a sense no but i think you're right though even midsummer though in a sense like it's still very much leaning into the horror marketing and it's not like yeah it's this quote-unquote elevated horror i think a24's whole marketing thing is like bringing out these like 
art house films, right? Yeah. But I mean, even in regards to that, like, there's a whole quadrant of people who fucking hate A24 and hate, <laughs> like, you know, like, they just, they, they find them to be pretentious. And, like... It's almost... But that's also because too many people can weigh in now. Like, you know, we get the opinions of every average Joe in the world talking about how they feel about every movie. Like, there's just... It's too much talk, too much chatter online. Like, that... In the 70s, I'm sure there was tons of people who hated shit like this, too, but you just didn't hear them talk about it because it wasn't a topic Uh of conversation or, like, just wasn't as easily available. That's another thing I actually wanted to say. Sorry I cut you off, but to your point, Andrew, like, today's audience, movies like this might end up on a streaming platform more so than they might in theaters, especially, who knows, with the pandemic, just movies are way more readily available, so more people are watching them. So in a sense, it's kind of like more people have access to the movie in two in two ways that's more people might like it or more pe- people might dislike it. Like, I think Marriage Story is a, a good example of, like, an artsy, even though it's not that artsy, but, like, whatever, a little bit more artsy-type film on a streaming platform on somewhere like Netflix. People who watch movies on Netflix are more used to, like, shitty I'm sorry, like, the shit, like, made for Netflix movies that, like, were more known to be on that platform. Now Netflix is getting into the game of making, like, you know, with big directors, auteurs, and so many people shit on Marriage Story online because they thought it was... I love Marriage Story as well. Marriage Story is a great movie. And like, but like so many more people watched it than normally would have watched it because it was on Netflix. And in two veins, you got the people who like like it and see it as art, the people who like film, and then the people who don't. Yeah, people who are like memeing that movie like crazy you can still meme and it like. And love it. Jo- I, I mean, I, I love yeah. that movie and the, the little meme where it's the, Adam the Driver meme punching the wall. Adam Driver punching the wall. It's like, Sweet Every kid. day. Sweet, sweet Caroline. And then boom, boom, <laughs> boom. I love that one. So it's just a new, like, the audience of, like, our generation is just so much more wide. And there's so many more people in taking these movies. And there's so much more room for people to talk about them online, to make fun of them, yes. to critique them, to love them. Tweet about them. It's such a, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's such a different, like, landscape. Um, but at the same time, I guess more people are watching them. Like, yeah, how do you decide what to watch? I mean, yeah, there were a lot of people that didn't like those seventies new Hollywood movies when they came out. I mean, I mean that whole movement kind of ended because of the like budgetary disaster that was, um, Heaven's Gate and Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate, which is an excellent, (laughs) excellent film starring Chris Christopherson and Isabelle Huppert. And, uh, you know, that movie, that movie like nearly bankrupted a studio and then people didn't see it. So, and people hate it. A lot of people hated it. And now of course, you know, decades later, it's like been regained as like this beautiful masterpiece. Wait a second. Is Heaven Gate before or after Apocalypse Now? I think it's after. I'll do the quick research. I think Apocalypse Now is 78, 79 Apocalypse Now. And I think Heaven's Gate is 80. Something to note about art house films is that a lot of filmmakers want their movie to be divisive. Like so, Darren it's, it's like, Who's, yeah, like who, someone way, like, like Darren Aronofsky. He's such a huge loser now, right? <laughs> he, he kind of is. Like, but I don't he, know. Has he made a great he, film since Black Swan. 
No. And it doesn't unless you think like, mother, nah, unless you think mother is. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. Mother definitely is not. He has not made a great film since. <laughs> but like, does that make no him like to fuck him anymore? I mean, it's no more ideas. I'm, I mean, Matt, Matt, like realistically, like director wise, does that necessarily just completely like, do we just push him into the realms of a loser? Well, Aronofsky like, I mean, interesting because we, I think Aronofsky with his, even though like something like Requiem for a Dream, like is, I think is a great movie. His earlier movies, like they kept showing this promise, and and I don't think he really ever delivered on that. Like I don't really ever think he, he made a truly like stunning film. I think it always seemed like he was going to, and then like he just kind of didn't. Like I think Black Swan is great. I think Wrecking for a Dream is great. I, I thought The Fountain was great when I saw it, but I haven't seen it in, in like ten years. Matt, you don't think that Wrecking for a Dream hits that like? No, it's it hits that like the next one this guy's gonna make. That's very interesting. Looking for a dream. I, 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 you guys are talking about him like he's fallen off the earth. Like this the, movie is I, I, very hey, recent, no, 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 and he has two. Like, he has two new that's, movies. That's he has that's two Matt. new movies coming out. Yeah, that's Matt. Awesome. <laughs> that that is a hundred percent Matt. I'm. Hey, dude, I've kind of been in love with this guy ever since Pi. Like, I, like I, okay. like, I haven't seen Wrecking for a Dream since I was 17. I don't think if I, wa- I think if I watched it now, I don't think it would hit the same way. Ass to ass. You might be surprised. Ass ass. <laughs> Matt, you know, Matt. But it's a movie though. that stays no, with no, you. That's no, what I'm no, saying. No, like, no, like no, I remember no, that movie no, very vividly. No, 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 no. I, I feel like you might even actually have a new understanding <laughs> from the movie. Why? Because I've tried watching it now. Probably. Okay. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Before and after drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. Listen, listen. Ellen Burst, I will give him the credit that with Requiem for a Dream, he got Ellen Burstyn's one of her all-time greatest performances, and she's an amazing actress. And and I've I've interviewed Ellen Burstyn, and she fucking knows how good that role that role was for her. She knows <laughs> that, like... How could you not, man? Like, yeah. Like, reading that on paper, like, if I was an actor... I'd be salivating. Especially an salivating. actor who is a woman who is older, you know, who is that mm-hmm. age. Like, they, they weren't doing that. Now you just get Glenn Close being like a hillbilly, being like, I'm a hillbilly, give me an Oscar. Like, oh my it's God, not dude, let's, not, let's not do that. Let's <laughs> Glenn Close, Glenn Close, they have Glenn Close playing Medea in a movie and getting nominated for an Oscar. Oh my God, Matt. <laughs> is somebody on this bus bullying my grandson? Stop! Stop putting me like Last this, year was a uh, was a different story. It doesn't seem like we're feeling like like today's audiences can vibe with these films. Which I mean, like ultimately, but, like but when you I, put it like that, we're we're almost saying like, oh, this film is too smart for today's audiences. I don't think it is. It, no, 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 no. It's not necessarily saying that it's too smart. I do think that there is a going for it sort of sensibility to these art house films, right? Especially within Darren Aronofsky's work, especially within something like Mother, which ultimately like Mother, when you go for it, you can turn pe- you can rub people very much the wrong way. He went for it on the most visceral scene when when the baby dies and then afterwards when J-Law is getting her ass kicked on the fucking ground. Terrible. Dude, that's 100% like that's just him going for it and being visceral. And honestly, like a lot of people that's like the line that's the line that was crossed, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, when you really look back at it and you look at the story he's trying to tell in regards to humanity and how we've treated this planet, dude, I don't think there's a point in the movie that gets it across more than just that exact moment where it's just like, shit. Yeah, but I did, <laughs> read, is, I did check the letterbox. Us. I haven't even rated this movie on letterbox since I watched it yesterday because I still don't know... But I did read a lot of reviews yeah. by a lot of women who were like, nah, like I didn't want to, I don't want to see that shit. Very upsetting. 
And then I read a review from Adriana that just went troll lol 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 lol. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who don't like watching upsetting things, but there's also a lot of people who do like watching like upsetting things. And me. <laughs> yeah, Adriana loves it. Adri- I enjoy being upset. Adriana see Melancholia, and at the end she was like, ha! <laughs> So I guys, actually, yeah. <laughs> so we, time wise, we got to keep moving. Yes. So I'm going to move us. Yeah, uh, we we're, we're right about the I end. Really we're right about. We're really at, Matt. <laughs> Matt has to go to the bathroom. Let's let's let him pee. No, no, it's, okay, it's, it's, it's not that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I have to make a mother. Let's get this going. To, <laughs> Matt has to make a mother. He's like, let's keep this game going. All right, guys. We real quick, real quick. We go right before we go into our finale Let's section. Go we really got to work. Matt, I need to ask you the most hated question. The question that I propped you guys all with before, before we get into. Yeah, this, but if you're gonna give me that one question, it's, gonna, it's I know. It, go ahead. It's gonna launch us into like a forty-five minute conversation. But, but ask it, and then I'll, I'll tell you if I will <laughs> respond or will not. Your favorite Aronofsky. Welcome for a dream. Closely followed by Black Swan. Adriana. I'm also Requiem for a Dream. Also Requiem? Pie. He never Right, he so never we beat pie all named me. his first and second movie, and I think that's very telling. That it... Shit. Fuck. Yeah, but people I love Black Swan. Right. Right. I hate when he people is People love right. Black Swan. I love Black Swan, but still. Love, you know I, what I, mean? I actually don't love Black Swan. What? We'll I know, save that I for the old, it, We're going to redo Black I Swan on another it. one because I can't get into that right now. <laughs> now, now, now we have to do it. <laughs> okay, guys, we have to fast forward this because nature is calling. Yeah, mother is so, calling. <laughs> mother nature. Mother, mother nature is calling. This show got way too literal way too quickly. Okay, guys, <laughs> the finale. I need to ask you the first question. Can art house films work for today's mainstream audiences? Matt, you first because you're stressed right yes, now. Yes, I have faith in the people. Whoa! Okay, I was not expecting that. Look, uh, if, if, yeah, look, everybody and their mother loved Parasite. I'm not saying it's art house, but like they read subtitles. So if they can read subtitles and enjoy it, then they can do anything. Matt, you subjugating a subtitled movie to being an art house film is a whole other discussion. I'm not. I'm speaking for them. So they're like, oh, I gotta read. I, I'm very intelligent. I saw a two hour movie and I had to read. Hey, we're redefining the fucking book of cinema right now. Fuck those simple ass people. We don't get to, we, they don't get to get brought into that. They don't Fine. get to get brought into this. So, you still have faith in the people, Matt? Yes. Okay, fine, fair enough. Adriana? Yes, I believe uh, regular audiences can enjoy art house. And audiences. also, just, just think about, like, TV. TV has become art house. And look mm-hmm. how many people watch all those... All those TV shows that look at like, people watch Mayor of Easttown. There is on HBO. an audience, yeah, exactly. Movie. There is an audience for these art house things. It's just a matter of like, also. I want to recall my bill, my, the my film of the week is not a film. It's it's the Mayor of Easttown on HBO. So good. <laughs> can our films can, can our films work for today's audiences? Absolutely not. No, they can't. Because wow, yeah, I'm sorry. This guy watches I, like five Agnes Varda movies, and all of a sudden, uh, Matt, I'll have you know, I watched half of her fucking filmography, which is I way did. more than half. Yeah, it's, and it, it was it was beautiful. I think sometimes beautiful. you're a little too kind. I love Agnes Varda; she's in my top ten, but still, no, uh, I, I think filmmaker wise, I was pretty impressed by some of the shit she was doing. It, it was really inspiring shit. No, she's so, brilliant. She's she's fucking yeah, brilliant, amazing man. woman. I, amazing but matt you need you need to let me finish this man please okay so no 
It's not going to work. I just think that right now, Adrian actually laid it all out. Like we, we just discuss films in a completely different way. Right yeah, now. people are too and stupid now. It's not that people are too stupid, Matt. There's a ton of smart people out there. Yeah, and there's, and there's a ton a of ton, smart, way more dummies. There's just too much noise. There's yeah, just too much noise. That's the thing. There is too much noise, and the dummies are listening to the wrong smart people sometimes because the smart people can <laughs> get it wrong. Believe me, I saw way too many misinterpretations of Mother and people just like driving it home on their misinterpretation. It's like chill the fuck out. Like you're wrong, but it's <laughs> it, it's all good. So. I just don't. I just. Don't I think, think the whole film the, mother is actually about me, me really having to shit, and at the end, when Javier Bardem rips out her heart, that's me going to the bathroom at the end of this podcast. <laughs> is that the shit in his hand that he squeezes? Yes. Is that it? It's the crystal. <laughs> Matt is literally gonna shit out a diamond right now. Okay, he's, he's making Get it real. Here. <laughs> you have to, right, you have to understand. I, I'm so the kind of person like I don't discuss. Like the only kind of humor that doesn't work for me is like shit humor, humor and fart humor like doesn't work for me so the fact that this is being discussed i never discussed this kind of thing we've, we've now become an adam sandler podcast he needs to take a doo-doo so the final the, the final question matt Ask is it. gonna be is mother a good movie is it a good movie no could it be an interesting movie that i like kind of like sure you know how it is. I'm going to do it right now, and I'm going to push you to say you need to give me a definitive <laughs> yes or no is no, Mother No, because good. I'm leaning towards giving it my letterbox rating of three out of five stars, and for a movie to be good, it's got to be three and a half out of five, so no. Damn, here we Very go. Very logical. Here we go. Very logical. Three stars, is on the, three stars is on the better side of okay. Yeah, I think I gave this movie three stars actually too, because I don't hate it, and I don't love it. And I agree. I know it's not very definitive, but I agree. It's like interesting and I like it for some aspects of it. But I also feel irritated watching it. I'm going to say it's a good movie just because I think it I have to make a decision and you put me on the spot (laughs) and I don't want to say it's a I don't really want to say it's a bad movie because I think there's a lot of interesting good things in there. So. Let's slam dunk on Matt Hoffman right now because Mother is a good movie to Andrew Ooh. Hamilton. Sorry, Phil Underfire just locked it in. Pew, 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 pew. So, guys, Mother is a good movie. Okay, let, really fucking quick. Let me just, I know Matt. You it's just, okay. Like, I, 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 you you okay. know it comes in waves. So I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay for another minute or two. All right. This is true. Really quick. I just think that, um, yeah, I think he took the allegory. I don't think he gave a lot of story to the allegory, but the story that he did give was quite strong. And I do think it was effective ultimately, even though it took some really fucking tough imagery to get there. Um, He fucking sold it. And dude, we got to fucking recycle because we suck. (laughs) And uh, we need to do better. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. I mean, that's going (laughs) to fix all the fucked up shit we clearly did for all these years that Aronofsky (laughs) remembers God, could you imagine what dinner with this guy's like? No wonder uh, that relationship didn't work. That's the worst. Uh, but he just talks uh, and talks and moves his hands around. Where's his little fucking beanie? Like, yeah. Mans- mansplainer. Yeah, mansplainer. For sure. That's what he said. Mansplainer. <laughs> so that's it. We we just it, no nobody can argue this anymore. Mother is a good movie. I'm sorry, Matt. Um, because the, peop- the people everyone else is wrong. Said, everyone else is I wrong. I can find a lot of people who disagree, but fine, Matt. But guess what? We're redefining the book of cinema right. right now on our podcast. So, you know, we're redefining the all audio people are wrong now. <laughs> it's done, guys. We have made it a good movie. And I just want to, and my final thought is, 
if you watch this film and you think that it's a better film than Ricky and the Flash, then you're absolutely fucking tripping. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> tripping. They are both about mothers. We have a well, motherly Ricky theme happening here. is a far more complex here. character than mother. I don't even know if she's called mother. I think she's called, like, the woman mm. or something. He's Who, been, in, in the, the movie? Credits, the credits, they think they're all funny. Or, like, oh, wait, oh, maybe, no, maybe she is called Mother, she's, I don't know. She's named Mother in the credits. Yeah, and he's and then, him, and then the woman is is Pfeiffer, uh, and the man is blah, 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 yeah. and the sons, and the fucking... Right, Literally, guys, have, like, if you, if you actually go all the way through, right down to the extras, even they have... Yeah, there's the philanderer... Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into our amazing, awesome podcast. Brilliant. Diverse, uh, diverse know, podcast. And you know what? If you listen to any other film podcasts out there, that's good for you. But you've chosen the right one today. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy for you. Good job. And please <laughs> come back for the next episode, which may or may not be about Tyler Perry's I Can Do Battle By Myself or Tyler Perry's Medea's Big Happy Family. Matt literally just poker moved us. Okay. We are now doing a Tyler Perry movie next episode. Whoa. So what's it going to be? Ready. I'm going to be the white guy arguing that Tyler Perry's good, and you're going to be the black guy telling me that I'm like that I'm like laughing at like <laughs> it's going to be a whole thing. Tune in next episode oh, to find out. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. God bless you. See you later. Have a great Jesus, day. <laughs> you started to believe the things they said of you. You really do believe this talk of God is true. Looking just for, you know, just an opinion. My opinion is I hate it. I know you were bored during it and I was bored. Well, under. Fire.